I'm Logan Bishop from Belmont University. And I'm John Blankenship from Vanderbilt University. You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. How have you been? Great, great. I think um, last time we talked, it was a couple of years ago. I remember that. Um, it's again, three years recapping. ago. It was 2016. I know. I know. That was a long time. What? I was a young man back then, three years ago. <laughs> it feels like such a long time. But I remember, one, audio quality was really bad. So now, hopefully, the audio quality is much better this time. And um, I was still, I, I remember talking about like games and gamification because that's what I was studying. And that's something I'm doing more full-time work around now. Tell us about, tell us about what you, what you do. Okay, sure. So um, yeah, you might reintroduce yourself to the listeners. That probably okay, I'm going to reintroduce myself because I know, I know how this is going to get cut. So <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> actually there's going to be very little cutting because we're recording the day that it comes out. So, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. That is a quick turnaround time. Okay. Hey everyone. My name is Dave Eng. Um, I do several different things. So I'm going to try to summarize it as best as I can. Uh, so right now I am an educational technologist and also clinical professor at New York university school of professional studies, where I teach online learning and online digital pedagogy. I also teach at Troy university. I'm a, uh, professor of practice in their tabletop game design program there. Uh, I also run the website University XP, and that is my um, blog where I do some consulting work around games, gamification, and games-based learning. I also write about how we use games for learning. And then lastly, I'm also the provost at The Job Hacker, and The Job Hacker is a blog that I run on helping other student affairs professionals with their job search. Uh, and something I've been doing for many years. Uh, I've had many mentees over the years working in student affairs. And now that's what I do. Uh, I create and I write a blog uh, post every week about different tips that student affairs professionals can use in their uh, day-to-day work in order to uh, be the best uh, people that they can be. So that is me in a nutshell. That's that is a nutshell. Yeah. Do you an want inter- my fun fact? An, an interesting world? set of jobs that you have going on. Yeah, I just kind of <laughs> I I don't want to I don't want to pigeonhole myself into any one thing. So I kind of try, try to go wide. <laughs> You've done well. I've done well. You have. Yeah. Um, a lot of things have happened since you uh, since you were last on the show. I don't think you yeah. you were uh, had you finished your doctorate at that point. No, no, I was still writing, and I had uh, let's see, it was 2016, so I was still writing for a full year, and then I graduated in 2017, so I finished. That's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. And, and you're still at NYU, which is awesome too. Yeah, I was not. I was at St. Thomas Aquinas. Oh, College yeah, you're before. right. You were at St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. That's right. No, I'm an NYU alum. So I was That's... there at the master's program, uh, left, worked at a number of different smaller schools, and then I'm back at NYU now. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and you, um, But you still teach at Troy as well. Yeah, that's a new appointment. So I work at NYU full-time, teach there part-time, and also teach at Troy part-time. They okay. reached out to me based on my research area in, in tabletop games. So that was a nice, that was a nice connection to get. <laughs> Tell me about that. Like, what, what did games? you do? Yeah, well, I know it. Well, I know what tabletop games are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if our guests all know what tabletop games are, but tell us a little bit about just maybe a little summary of what those are and like what your research covered. Cause now I'm curious. 
All right, cool. All right, so my uh, my research was in the the base level. I can explain it is experiential learning. So um, a lot of your listeners may not know what experiential learning is, but they probably experienced it at some point. So experiential learning is very much about learning by doing, and some of the most um, common ways that students use that in higher ed is through internships, uh, externships, study abroad. Um, maybe they've done some co-op work, or maybe they have participated in outdoor education. These are all different types of experiential learning. So my dissertation and my research area was how are games like experiential learning and can we use tabletop games for co-curricular learning? And I say that because since I worked in student affairs and I worked with a lot of different student leaders, uh, I wanted to know, could we use these games, these different tabletop games uh, for that purpose in order to help students learn co-curricularly? And what I did over the course of several years, I found out, yeah, you, you can do it. Games are a form of experiential learning and you can use them in multiple ways. So I used them to explore uh, cooperative education. So I used a lot of cooperative mm-hmm. games. Um, your listeners may not know a whole lot about modern quote unquote tabletop games, but they probably heard of a game called Pandemic. Pandemic's mm-hmm. a tabletop mm-hmm. cooperative game where um, no one plays against each other. Everyone's playing on the same team in order to stop a series of viruses from spreading around the world. Um, I've also taught um, uh, some students using competitive games, uh, competitive games on how to create a more uh, efficient system or a game that allows them to um, work together in order to accomplish a specific goal. And I've also used some games that are, have, quote unquote, I'd like to say like trader mechanics in them. So if you ever played like Mafia or mm-hmm. Werewolf or anything like that, um, I play more of those games because um, those games actually help my students bond well with each other because they're, they're the certain type of game where it is fun to play, but it's even more fun to play with people that you've just met for the first time. So I use those a lot with my orientation leaders and my student programming staff because whenever I train them, it was not only about how to become a better orientation leader, but what, it is, what it'll take to work together in this team. So um, that is what I covered, and that's currently what I read about. So it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a team building yeah, yeah, you could say that. Some games are very much about team building. Like I brought a pandemic, and it sounds like that uh, you two have at least heard of it, or if if not played played it before. Have not but, played. I've heard of it, but though. Oh, okay. I've um, played yeah, several so, games like that, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, a lot of the modern board games that are becoming more popular now, are like Ticket to Ride, Settlers of Catan. Um, maybe Carcassonne. These are all games that are available in like Target, but maybe five, ten years ago, they were exclusively like hobbyist games. Like you wouldn't know about them unless you were really into board games. Yeah, I I don't get a chance to play them anymore. Um, No? No, it's been a while, actually. I think the last one I played was Battlestar Galactica with Jackie. You gotta start playing. A few years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I just... Well, lately we've been playing card games. Um, Mm -hmm. We do that in the office a lot. Yeah, I mean, we play uh, the worst game of all time. Um, uh, it's good. It's it's called Dutch Blitz. Um, it's horrible. Oh, yeah, I know. Dutch I don't. Blitz. I don't play. I don't play that game. I just watch everyone else like beat the crap out of each other to play it. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, games like uh, I think right now, I think the last game we played was like uh, Unstable Unicorns. But I, I, I haven't really had a chance to like sit down and play a good tabletop game with anybody for a while. Um, I nice. do enjoy, I do enjoy listening to people 
pretend like they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, but I don't think that counts. Um, what do you mean by pretend? Oh, I, uh, it never feels like it's a havesy for me. It's like you are playing or you're not playing. Well, there's plenty of podcasts of people uh-huh. playing Dungeons and Dragons. Or uh, the thing that I just finished listening to was, um, have you ever heard of uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern? It's an improvised uh, it podcast. It's an improvised podcast where they kind of make up the story, but then they're kind of locked into the the canon that they create. Um, no, and I, I remember it's when a, we talked last time. You turned me on to improvised Star Trek. Well, this is a this is actually by one of the same guys. The guy who plays Captain Julius Valentine Baxter is mm-hmm. um, is on this podcast. They're a part of the same Chicago podcast. A co-op thing mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but uh um anyway it's about this guy who who falls into a dimensional portal behind a burger king in chicago um and is transported to a magical fantastical land called foon mm-hmm. um and it's like it, they they make fun of like all of the fantasy genre stuff um, but anyway, it's a fantasy world, and their version of Dungeons and Dragons is called Offices and Bosses, um, and it's where <laughs> okay. they um, they they created this whole experience where you're listening to them play. It's kind of a playoff of the people doing Dungeons and Dragons, except they're pretending to be what someone in a fantastical world would think working in. Uh, for a business would be like so like there's mm-hmm. there's the um the office manager is mm-hmm. like the dungeon master uh and then you have you know the marketing manager the temp the uh you know uh, the budget manager anyway it's they just uh released uh like six episodes of it um it was mm-hmm. originally on their their premium thing but anyway it was mm-hmm. great it was great and i was just i was just like oh my gosh they they were rolling die and everything um, i'm trying to get over the fact that this mystical world is called foon is that like fork spoon combined i think so <laughs> something like that but and it's that great it's, like... it's a great it's a great show and it's like 300 episodes in so what really they release an episode every week um, wow. and they have for like four or five years. Wow. So, Every week for four or five years. Yeah. I, I haven't seen them take very many breaks. Um, they started season two somewhere in the middle of year three. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just finished season two and they're about to start season three. Wow. Yeah. It's That's crazy. It's pretty nuts. I've, I'm impressed by the amount of work that they put into it. Um, <laughs> I'm also but trying to get if you, the if you like improvised Star Trek, you'll like that um, oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I got to add that to my list now, my Logan list. <laughs> but <laughs> of random like, in this bizarre world, yeah, in of this bizarre random... world, the Dungeons and Dragons is called Offices and Bosses. That actually reminds me of. Um, uh, I know that. So it's, you sound like you know a little bit about modern tabletop games. Do you know about a mechanic called uh, worker placement in tabletop games? Um, I'm not. I do not. No, I don't. So worker placement is basically like if you ever done like a draft, it's kind of like that. Only people have like meeples in front of them, you know, like little wooden components, and you take your meeple and you place it on a space, and then you take an action from that space. So that's either like, you know, gain corn or gain stone or rocks. Oh, it's like a a Catan. Yeah, 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 kind of. Yeah. So 
that's yeah. worker placement it's called so i haven't found it yet but there's a tabletop game called worker placement the worker placement game and the theme is that you are the boss of an office and you are placing workers at different temp agencies and that's what the the tabletop game is about that is interesting i know well, and the the theme is dry enough for me to be very excited about work replacement (laughs) the worker placement game what would the student affairs version of that be you know i thought about that and i'm actually developing a game right now about how to how to accurately represent how colleges and universities start and operate it has to be like dorms and something something like that yeah i like i originally dorms and directors (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I went like cones of on this one and I was like yeah you know what it should do this and you, everyone should start out with like a specific university like one player will start out as an R1 and then someone else is a, a small liberal arts college and then someone's an HBCU and then like then you can take you, you start out with like a president the president can recruit faculty and then faculty can choose to become administrators if they go down the administration path and then I just had like this crazy notebook full of all these ideas I'm like I gotta pare this down because I, I don't know if I can compare complete this in my lifetime that sounds like a 16 times real-time strategy game yeah I, that's why i said i was like oh, i went down the cones of dunshire path if you've seen parks and rec before and i was just like i gotta i have to table this for a little bit because it's <laughs> the idea is too big right now it, it's hard to fit in my head let alone this notebook how did well, you the, go how ahead, did you get John. into how, how did you get into this you know did, did you play a lot of games you know growing up and if you covered this in a pre in the previous episode i apologize no no um i don't think i talked about it then but so when i was when i decided i wanted to go back to grad school and and, and start this doctoral program i knew that i was gonna have to focus on something for my dissertation topic and i considered a bunch of different things uh and i was like you know like one theme that has always been present in my life in some point or another have, have been games at some point so um when i was younger it was tabletop games like now and then it became like video games and console games and computer games and then Interestingly enough, when I got older, I got into improv and doing theater. And in, in improv, there are there are games and scenes, and those it, it is, it's those things like if you ever seen whose line is it anyway, or the Upright Citizens Brigade, or anything like that. Yeah. The game in a scene is the thing that is like it's what's pushing the scene along. It's what makes it funny and interesting, and engaging. So even in that format, I was like, you know, I've always I've always participated in games and some some format or another so when it came time to write my application essay i just said you know i want i want to do it on games and that's what i'm gonna I'm, if i'm gonna dedicate three years plus of my life to researching something it's going to be games so that's how i got down that path i've always played them but this was something that was like i gotta focus on something what can i honestly focus on for three years three plus years and it was games well i mean think about it i think that i think that educational games are making a well at least in in our sense, because this is what I this is what I find so refreshing about you and and what you study and and you know your research and all that kind of stuff, um, you know I think back to when I was a kid, and I think mm. about the games that I played. The only games that that existed on computers, well, I'm sure more existed, but you know the only ones I played as a kid, Carmen San Diego. I mean. Mm-hmm. How, we learned a lot from Carmen Sandiego. Um, you did. You did. Um, not just a catchy song um, <laughs> <laughs> that now is going to be stuck in my head all day long. Um, and, you know, what's another one? Um, and acapella. Acapella is going to get stuck in your head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, was, what was the other game that I used to play when I was a kid? Oregon um, Trail. Yes. 
I've mm-hmm. learned the fun, the funness of of dysentery. Um, Did you also play um, Typing of the Dead? Do you remember? No, that I game? didn't. What is that game? Okay, so do you what know the it? arcade game? What was it called? It's called Typing of the Dead. Okay. So it's a spoof. Well, it's not a spoof. I think it was an actual licensed game. But there's a there's like an arcade game called um, House of the Dead. Have either of you heard or seen that before? Yes. Okay. So uh, for not. those, for well, the it's the one where you shoot you know, things. It, it, you've you've played them before, John. You know, uh, you stand and you have a gun and you shoot zombies as the thing. Oh yeah. Wa- like it's runs like through the old it. James Bond game. And yeah, it always yeah. ends. Yeah. Yeah. Like right when you don't want it to, and you have to put in more coins to continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's that game. So it's always like, like it's always like two light guns next to each other, and then the screen automatically, like it, it moves you around through the scene, and the light guns are basically just for you to shoot the zombies. So I remember in high school, I think it was like my junior senior year, um, our computer science instructor in, introduced us to this game called typing of the dead and it was essentially the same game as house of the dead however instead of using a light gun to shoot the zombies on the screen on the screen would pop up different sentences and then depending (laughs) on how tough that zombie was um it would provide a more complicated sentence so if it was like um if it was just like an easy run-of-the-mill zombie you would just see a sentence on screen that just said like um brown fox and then so long as you type brown fox before the zombie swiped at you you shot it in the head but when there are bosses you had to type like longer sentences and like quick brown fox yeah jumps quick over brown fox jumps over the lazy log till yeah. day question mark you know backwards slash you know <laughs> as quickly as you can and that's how i learned how to type and then when aol instant messenger came out i was like a pro at typing but i, I have right? typing of the dead to thank for that you know and that yeah. was one of the one of that Carmen San Diego Oregon Trail were some of the original like educational games that I I remember and clearly you do too Logan I yeah. remember Oregon Trail for sure oh yeah did everyone you, dies um, of dysentery did you have ICQ <laughs> back then ICQ yeah ICQ it was, was like, like a messenger right yeah it was like a messenger I remember Merc M I R C that was one that was like a big competitor to AIM I remember that much. I remember just like moving into my college dorm room freshman year and then like getting connected to the internet using a cable, no Wi-Fi, and then opening up AOL Instant Messenger and just living it up on, up on the screen. That was like – that was text messaging for me back in the day. Yeah, I was – the reason why ICQ came to mind and it would have been a, a fun and interesting thing, maybe um, – sorry. It would have been a fun and interesting thing to see because uh, – ICQ would like show the person typing, not like little like ellipses that animate, but like mm-hmm. the actual letters going across. And oh. if I would have come across you, I probably would have found that very intimidating. Um, oh, when I'm if just you were like typing, typing, if you're typing that fast, <laughs> I'm sitting here like pecking with my fingers. I don't even oh, remember. Man. I don't even remember how I learned to type so fast. And at what point in life? At what point in the world that we're in right now that the number of words per minute that you could type became a who cares. I don't they know. They used to be on all job applications. I remember when I was Your in high school, they were like, put that in your resume. Yeah. And, and now I'm like, I would probably I like laugh if I saw that. That's like the equivalent of putting on a resume. And I see this a lot with my mentees. I can too. ride a bike. 
No, not they will like uh, <laughs> right under skills. Like they are experts in Microsoft Office Suite, like Word and Excel. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, you you kind of need to do that at a basic level to do anything really. You know, a- anything in student affairs. Like I'm going to assume you already know how to use Word and Excel. It, you Pretty don't have to be experts at it. You don't have to be able to format like a bibliography in Word, but you have to know how to open it and type and change fonts and stuff. But let's be honest. Everyone says that their skills at Word and Excel are great, but they're really not. Hey, I can Google my way <laughs> through any Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, maybe that's I, what I've, you should put. I am an expert at Google. You know what? <laughs> For the most part, those people that I know that work like IT help desk, whenever you ask them a question, they just Google it. Of course you can hear do. them typing in the background. Well, I'm yeah, looking at that I mean, right now. Oh, totally, when, totally. When, when you call the help desk, it's basically saying you Google this because I I don't want to. You know, <laughs> well, I would agree with that. I forget. I was. I think it was Mitch Hedberg. He was. I don't know if you know that comedian, but oh, <laughs> one of my, oh yeah, oh yeah. One of my funniest bits from him or that I remember is like when he's he said like when I walk on the street and someone hands me like a flyer, it's like them saying here you throw this out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'm guilty of if somebody has a technical question for me, you know, because I sit at a computer, mm-hmm. um, I will always, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out for you. Go back to my desk, Google it, send, send them the link, you know. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that is a legitimate skill because, you know, like someone came to you to do something that they could have done themselves. And it's I'm like just a- waiting for that skill gap to close one day. But right now it's going to be our little secret that we just Google everything. <laughs> What would we do without that? that? To be able to Google? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're moving the way towards AI and voice recognition, so you won't even have to Google. You can just talk into the air and say, like, you know, Alexa, what what is the temperature I should be cooking my chicken to? Which is something I've asked before. And scarily enough, Alexa does save everything, so I have gone through my past list. And I did that seen today. Everything that Amazon knows about me. Do you yeah. do you go through? Do you go at the end of the day? You you know you can tell Alexa now to forget all that she heard this day. Oh, you can do that. Yeah, you, you can, can do, do that. that. I don't know if it works or not. You know, it's who a knows? Pain in the neck. I mean, part of me just wants to be like Alexa, forget everything I've said every day. Well, <laughs> I, I can say this much. There. I can say this much. Um, you know, I have all these echoes in my house, and mm-hmm. um, for the last, like, three weeks, I've been having lots of issues with Amazon. If you want to mm-hmm. see it, you can go look at my Twitter account. But um, because you can see my conversation with their support people ongoing oh, yeah. right now. <laughs> um, I keep getting locked out of my account, and I keep getting hacked, um, and oh, no. I can't figure out how, and they won't tell me what's going on. Um and a, a nice lady on my fifth call was nice enough mm-hmm. to uh, give me access back to my account. Lasted about mm-hmm. 30 minutes, and now I can't get back into it again. Um, oh, no. Wait, are you using, like, LastPass or a password manager? Because I don't even know my passwords anymore. I'm using a password generates... manager. Oh, really? And it's, like, a 16-character yeah. crazy yeah. password, too? Wow. Yeah. And it's still getting it's compromised? Also... Uh, yeah, and it's using two-factor authentication, too. Um, in what? fact, that's my well, problem right now is that mm-hmm. I can't get into the two-factor authentication. It won't send me a text message. Really? Um, yeah. It, that's huh. a literal error that I'm getting right now is mm-hmm. uh, OTP is unavailable. Um, please wait 10 minutes. Mm, that's crazy. Wait, so yeah. did your phone number also get compromised too? I don't see how my phone... Out? I don't think so. Uh, um, have you been posting anything on Craigslist? No. 
I don't no. use Craigslist. You don't. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. You you think you're lucky stars. You don't have to use Craigslist. Me, I tried to get rid of a futon for four weeks, and I was on there daily. Oh, I just keep everything. You keep everything. Yeah, <laughs> you're a garage uh, Facebook hoarder. Facebook buy sell <laughs> trades. That's the game. Uh, yeah. You know, I tried that too, John, and I wish that worked because that would have been so much easier. Instead of me, I was just like posting on Craigslist like every day, like futon $50, futon $40. I, like pay, I pay people to come take this stuff. Um, I don't think that's how the economy works there, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> you post, well, it, they pick up. <laughs> there, are co- there are college hunks that pick up junk, and that is literally the name of their thing. Uh, oh, um, yeah, you're in the college town. Yeah, so they. Did you know that that company got their start on the uh, Shark Tank show on ABC? I did oh, really? not know that. They did. They, did they, they start. What college were they at? You, you I, know what? That's an interesting story. I'm not. I'm not sure. Let's 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 check the Googles. The Googles. Yeah. See, now we're just asking questions that could easily be answered by Google. But general. But while while John Googles that, I mean, generally, what what happened was, you know, um, when you move. Right, you bring mm-hmm. all your stuff with you, but when mm-hmm. you get your new place and it's bigger, you just end up buying more stuff, right? Um, and the old stuff just kind of piles up, um, and that's kind of what happened. We never like threw no. away the stuff from our old apartment, so it was mm-hmm. all in the um, all in the garage. Plus, you know, we got a new we got a new bedroom suit and all that kind of stuff. So um, all the old stuff went in there. So we had to call somebody to you know come get it. Um, and, well, and I think you the... need to meet someone named Marie Kondo. Oh, of course. <laughs> but, I just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I try every month. Like I set a little reminder for myself is like, just clean up one thing and it doesn't have to be big. It can be just, just like your sock drawer or something. But since I've been doing that, I've just like donated so much stuff. Cause I'm like, oh, Wait, I, don't I don't even too. know. Yeah, that's what I was like. I, I didn't even know I had this, and I I didn't know I had this for like a year. So if I donate it, I'm not going to miss it. So well, for me, Eli, I was just like, who's really going to want a particle board like, um, like bed frame with like a big uh, mirror on it? Like that's yeah, no. probably no one. It's no. it's not a thing that people are going to want to buy. <laughs> Although I think that if I was like in Logan's house, I would see a bunch of like empty boxes from Apple products. So like your past four iPad boxes just stacked together. Like John will attest to this. I actually yeah. get rid of my Apple boxes at Christmas because I, I put presents in them oh, uh, you as jokes. Yes. <laughs> I save mine because like my iPhone's about to go out on me and I need, I need, I need to get a new one and I'll just like sell mine on eBay for like a hundred dollars or something. So that's why I save like all my Apple boxes basically. Yeah. I so, just, I, I keep them for jokes. Yeah. What are you going to so, say? John? College hunks uh-huh. was on the very first episode of shark tank. Oh, the pilot. Wow. Uh huh. Right. And the company itself started in 2003. Oh, that's much older than I thought they were. Mm, yeah. I, th- I thought it was newer too. So but, uh, what do they pitch? Like their business model is we're going to take college students and we're going to move stuff that was a risk model pretty much the way the company got started mm-hmm. the um omar solomon mm-hmm. worked for his mother's furniture store and when he would deliver furniture people would pay him to take away their old furniture so he identified the need and met the need and here we are today that is what uh-huh. is that is truly entrepreneurial isn't it yeah 
You know what's really funny? I don't think I ever used the word entrepreneurial before I worked at Belmont. Uh, no? Same. <laughs> um, we, I, I, think, I think before I just called people smart. You can be smart and not entrepreneurial. That's and you can true. also be entrepreneurial and not smart. I mean, really, to be entrepreneurial, it's more about it's like taking independent actions, I feel. Oh, right? no, it's totally true. It's just that I've mm-hmm. never thought about it, you know? Um, yeah. I, I never really thought about it. And then I see, um, I mean, we have a pretty good entrepreneurship program at Belmont, and I see some of the stuff that they do, and it just blows my mind sometimes. Um, Why? What are, what's some projects they're working on? Well, one um, one that was born of Belmont um, is uh, uh, it's called Spring Back Spring Back Spring Back Recycling. So, yep. and it's it's actually oh, okay. social entrepreneurship, um, mm-hmm. which is also a major Belmont. But um, what they do is um, they saw a need, which is old mattresses. Like mm-hmm. everybody is getting rid of their old mattress at some point, you know, um, because you know mattresses after ten years they're kind of garbage um Mm. so what they do is they found a need to recycle them because they end up in the you know they end up in landfills and they're just horrible for the environment so um but but they're full of completely recyclable materials Mm -hmm. so um what they did was they found a way um to uh to easily recycle these and at the same time to hire um x uh uh you know uh Ex felons and and, mm-hmm. and 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 such and, and help give them a chance to reintegrate with society and mm-hmm. there's a whole you know there's a whole aspect of it to the of of the whole business to that um, and they they actually turned a profit and they they it's still going they actually uh, have done stuff for the U.S. government they uh, mm. um, an entire aircraft carrier when they were decommissioning it they like. Took Recycled all the beds all the out and, and yeah. they did all the recycling. Um, wow. They won the the um, the SIFE at the time is what it was mm-hmm. called. Now it's called Enactus. They won the world championship for that, mm. um, and it was pretty amazing. This is a few years back, but it was mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. Um, but we have other students. Um, one that I know, uh, uh, Luke uh, McElroy, um, actually mm-hmm. Luke McElroy. Um, he created a company called Orange Thread Media that mm-hmm. does motion graphics and um, like concert setups and 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 that kind of level quality um, stuff, um, audio engineering, um, audio visual presentations, all that kind of stuff, and created a very successful business around it. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I still see him from time to time around. Uh, on he, he sometimes does stuff for Belmont, but also for some of the bigger churches, some of the big uh, conventions and concerts and stuff like that. I mean, it's pretty amazing to see the stuff that he does. Um, And it's pretty cool to watch. You know, I knew him when he was in college and he started it when he was in college. Um, And of course we have some restaurants too, that have done pretty good. Um, The escape game here in Nashville Mm -hmm. um, was uh, started by some students. So it, it, it's pretty cool to see, um, students like really excel. Um, and, and you talk about games, um, mm-hmm. and gamification of things. I mean, the escape rooms are just, wow. Um, that's the ultimate team building, learn something experience. You know, I, I, um, I'm writing a blog post about it right now, but I'm making the argument that escape rooms aren't really games. 
because one of the aspects of a game, what makes a game a game, is that there are separate, unknown, unequal outcomes. And that's just a mm-hmm. fancy way of saying that, you know, when you play a game, I might win, Logan might win, John might win. John might win by like a thousand points more than me or anyone else. Whereas a puzzle is something that is unknown to the players at the beginning, but has a finite conclusion at the end. So like a jigsaw puzzle and like an escape room, there's really only two states. There is unsolved and solved. So a Mm -hmm. puzzle can only have two outcomes, unsolved and solved. So by that definition, not a game, but that was my academic moment for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Never thought about it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because I was like, what are the differences between stories, toys, puzzles and games and I was, I was writing about the differences between all of them well when you talk about the entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. you know how about those people that started the escape games mm-hmm. they're, they're all over the place here now you oh know? Yeah. You know, yeah what a good idea it's great have you guys ever done them uh, oh Logan yeah has i have not okay well I, I i'll give you this one piece of advice go with a group of people that you are you all know like don't go with a group of strangers that was very challenging for me. <laughs> it depends. It depends on the group of strangers because I've done it oh, with yeah. a group of strangers. Yeah. And over that hour, I made friends. Um, Some okay. companies use that as a team building experience. Yeah. yeah. They, they will send a new team or, uh, you know, a, a team they're trying to bring closer together. Um, you know, I, I've thought about something like that. Uh, I think that would be a cool idea, you know, and that's one of the angles that they use to build teams. Yeah, I mean, I've used it with my uh, student staffs before and doing something. I'm just, I was talking from like a personal perspective. Like when I went the first time, it was with a bunch of, it was like 11 other people and we're all very serious gamers. And we're like, okay, the record for this room is like 48, 17 and we're, we're here to beat it. And we're like, can you imagine what this would have been like if there was like us 10 and then one random guy that was just there to have a good time and we were there to solve this puzzle <laughs> in as fast a time as possible that is like a sitcom level moment right there and yes it is <laughs> we're glad we didn't experience that <laughs> so what well, was your what was your t- what was your time oh we didn't beat the record but we definitely we definitely got out it okay. was one of those things where um we just like split up the workload like we had this was the very first time i think i heard of escape rooms it was in new york and it was just like, it wasn't even like a dedicated space. It was just this office that they were using as like a flexible space. Like they, they only could rent this office on Saturdays and Sundays. And they set it up specifically to do this thing. And it was in like the conference room. And um, the game master was actually in the room, like standing in a very specific corner. And then they gave us like three playing cards. And in each one of those playing cards was like a... A, um, a clue. So if we ever got stuck, we could turn in a playing card and they would actually point out something or else. And now I've done escape rooms where it's like fake walls and fake floors and it has like a light show and everything. I yeah, don't know the if one in Nashville. Yeah, the one has in Nashville has... Oh, it it depends on which one you're doing, but um, mm-hmm. they, ha- they definitely have trap doors. They have slides that <laughs> once you get to this trap door, you have to slide down. Um, yeah, I've done like three... Um, and I mean, it's not something you can do every day because, you know, they only have so many escape rooms and, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't change. Um, I mean, they do, well, they actually have started changing them out in Nashville. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think they've made their rooms more modular, but, uh, it's, it's been, 
it's just a very interesting experience and and it really makes you think I, that's one of the things that i enjoy most about it i mean our nashville one um there's a nashville one that is nashville themed and of course, there's a lot of Nashville knowledge that you have to have. Um, though the clue is there, you still have to kind of um, figure out what they're trying to say with it. And then, uh, you know, in that one, there was like this whole music aspect to it. And then they made mm-hmm. you do math. And then everybody was just like, oh, math. Um, and yeah, that was. <laughs> that would be, you know, am I able to Google this? No, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you got to leave your phone outside. That's what makes it hard. Um, I, I feel like in twenty years, there's going to be a quiz that it's going to be like, "How millennial are you?" And escape rooms are going to. It's like escape rooms and axe throwing. You know how axe many of these fun. things? I joined do. a league. Oh, you did? Yeah, I went axe throwing for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and it was. It, I, I didn't believe that this activity that was banned by my Boy Scout troop twenty years ago is now like this huge movement. Is that something that I need to have an open mind with? What yeah. throwing axes? Axe, axe throwing, yes. Yeah, I mean it's it's super fun, and cathartic, and apparently it also burns a lot of calories throwing these axes. So, um, my, so my, yeah, my initial reaction they they have um, they have built this place downtown Nashville called Downtown Sporting Club, mm-hmm. and Logan, I don't know if you've done that one or not, but um, there's a lot of alcohol. It's in a bar, and there's axe throwing. You know, so my initial reaction was, you know, alcohol plus axes, what could go wrong? Well, they're legally supposed to cut you off if you even appear tipsy. Um, I know that's what my axe place does. I do flying axes down on Wedgwood. Not that, like you would know that, Dave, but I... I... Is this a promo (laughs) for them? No, well, no. (laughs) There are a lot of... They're they're just really awesome. I will say, in the league, I am dead last. Um, I, I'm still learning how to throw. Everyone else is like a seasoned veteran. And I just, my first time throwing (laughs) axes, I joined a league, but everybody thought it was so cool that I did that, that everybody in the league is like, um, between games or before, um, before the night starts or after the night's over, they'll Mm -hmm. like give me tips and help me throw. So, um, I I won a t-shirt last week for having the, the, the lowest score. Um, so that was cool. Um, you won you know, a T-shirt for having the lowest score. Yeah, they gave a T-shirt away to the person who won the low, who had the highest score, the person who had the lowest score, and the person who hit a bonus. Um, mm. So uh, a bonus is when you hit the little red dot in the top corner, um, mm-hmm. which is very very hard to do. I've never done it, but yeah, yeah. They called it something else at my axe throwing place. It was like you had to call the shot. And then once yes. you did it, it was like a it was like an instant win or something. It's like yeah, getting get, it in the slot in Can Jam. Yeah, they were telling me that um, there's actually a Quidditch axe throwing game um, mm-hmm. where when you hit that, it's the golden snitch. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, it's not an instant win, and in I guess the way we play it, it, at the end of your game, you can call it and you get mm-hmm. ten points um, if you hit it. Um, which is good, um, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean you win. Usually, you do it to tie when the other person has like twelve oh, like points re- and you have like two. As a redemption. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That one last chance to <laughs> save face, um, nice. which I, like I said, I've never actually done. Um, and mm-hmm. what's funny is um, 
no one had hit a bonus all night, so everybody but me and the high scorer like threw to hit the bonus, and mm. it took them ten minutes of straight throwing, like to five people to hit it, mm. <laughs> and the guy barely hit it. <laughs> so oh, it was like right on the edge or something. Yeah, it touched the paint, so that counted. Huh. It's one of those things, and the same goes for the escape game. Mm-hmm. I've I've never known anybody to go and do it for the first time and then come back and report that it wasn't fun. Everybody has had a great time at either one that I've talked to. Oh yeah, I, mean, I, feel, like, I feel like I'm still behind. I will it's... say that your the first few times your rotator cuff is not your friend. Is that? Part of your shoulder? I, yes, I don't know what the, it's part okay. of your shoulder. It's uh, well, you um, do one-handed throw or two-handed? I can't do two-handed because my uh, left hand and my right hand can't let go at the same time. Uh, um, I tried it last week, yeah. um, and <laughs> the axe, um, I'm just glad there's a cage because <laughs> someone may have died. Oh no! <laughs> so, I, I yeah. learned that like I'm I'm a much more consistent thrower with two hands over the top of my head. I'm more consistent with one hand, and yeah. I. Uh, but the thing is, is that I have. It's harder to control, um, I guess. Or uh, you either throw too weak or you throw too hard, and it's 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 developing the muscle memory to like hit it. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we're towards the end of the show here. And I, I do want to ask something because this is a question we've started asking all of our guests. And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, you know, as you know, I mean, you're a listener to the show. We have folks that are, you know, all over the place in higher ed and, you know, for what you do, you know, Mm -hmm. um, in your roles and, and things, what would you like them to know that's important for what you do? What, what is your, you know, what is your contribution to higher ed? So I think the biggest thing that I try to focus on on a regular basis is that um, the, the, the number one concern happens to be engagement. And you can measure engagement in different ways, like social media engagement is different from curricular engagement, which is different from like student affairs and co-curricular engagement. And when I tell people what I research and study, which is like games, gamification and games-based learning, they say, you know, like, oh, Gamification, I know what that is. Fitbit, like I want to I wanna start using that in what I do on a regular basis. And that could be in like business or teaching or, you know, co-curricular affairs or anything else like that. And what I tell them is that, you know, like I, I study games and gamification because they are highly engaging forms of media and how, how you can structure an experience or something else. But often the hard conversation I have to have is that games don't fix a broken system. It doesn't make something that's bad good. You know, games are a way where we can augment and change our practices to make them more engaging. And they do those through a bunch of different ways that a lot of people are probably familiar with, like points and badges and leaderboards and progression and everything else. But those are just mechanics. Those are the individual components that make up gamification. But what I tell a lot of people is that what you really want to focus on is engagement. And sometimes you can get engagement through games, but sometimes it's just not the case. And I often just end with the fact that games don't make something broken work. Games just do what you're doing a little bit better, sometimes a lot better. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. It was a great talk. Cool. Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. 
listeners, head down to higher.social and get links to the stuff we talked about today. Subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you like the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us and lets us know what you think about the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcast. Send us a tweet. We love talking to you, and don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Higher Ed Social was created by Jackie Vitrano and Logan Bishop and is produced by the amazing Emma Haas. The show is also part of the Connect EDU Network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Thanks, and have a great week.